Hi, this is Karen Kelly, and you're listening to An Appetite for Life. There's a great mix on this show with various topics, amazing guests, and the occasional celebrity guest. So my guest today is Miriam Hurst Stein. She's a writer and editor from Brooklyn, New York. She spent the last 10 years working for various publications, including Women in Home and the Huffington Post, and is currently the deputy editor of All Things Hair. Wow. So welcome, Miriam. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I'm so excited to be here. It's great to have you on the show today. And I know for our listeners, they can't see you, but you look quite young to me. And I'm thinking... What an incredible CV already at such a young age. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'll be 28 in a couple of weeks. So wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So congratulations being the deputy editor. So Miriam, you're from Brooklyn, New York. So what's it like living in New York? I know it's hectic and we had to uh, reschedule due to building work. And all I can picture whenever I've been to New York is lots of building work going on. Yes, it's definitely hectic. Hopefully we won't have too much background noise. There's always a lot of sirens going by. So definitely working with a lot of noise here, but I love New York. I am originally from Chicago, actually, but I grew up in the suburbs there, not so close to the city. So I came to New York when I was 18 for college. And I remember spending the first I think it was honestly about six months calling my mom crying, being like, I want to come home. It is too much. I'm definitely an introvert. And I was living right in the middle of the city. And um, it was it was definitely a lot and uh, yeah. definitely a shock to the system. Um, yeah. But now I love the energy of it. It really is. It's, um, it's a city yeah. that never sleeps, isn't it? Let's face it. It's very busy. So you've been there for, is it five years did you say you've been there now? It's been almost 10. Oh, almost 10, 10 years, sorry. Yeah. Where have got five years from? So what's it like compared to Chicago? So it's funny because when you think about downtown Chicago, people do say it's similar to New York, but just like a cleaner, nicer version, which I definitely do think rings true. Um, but I think, like I said, I grew up in the suburbs in Chicago. So New York is definitely more energetic. Um, you know, New Yorkers have a reputation for not being so nice. <laughs> um, but I would say that everyone's like, friendly I don't know if they're nice but they're friendly so yeah. people definitely like will chat at the coffee shop or the grocery store and it's a little warmer than you might might expect based on the reputation of yeah, the city. because people are kind of trying to keep up with the city aren't they the fast pace they haven't got the time to stop and chat they just kind of keep rolling with it don't they exactly so, so congratulations you've worked for women in home and the Huffington Post uh, so what was the very first article you actually wrote can you remember so my first article was for a company called Predame. Um, it was, I found them through Birchbox, actually. It's um, owned by Stephanie Syed, who's an editorial makeup artist. And she created this company that brings a team of makeup artists to you with a bottle of champagne. Oh, how um, lovely. <laughs> I know. Um, it's like basically a, a play on pregame. So pregame is like, you get the bubbly, you get the makeup. And she wanted somebody to create a blog for the company. So I was a freshman in college and eager to get some experience under my belt. And I started a blog for her featuring different makeup products, going behind the scenes on shoots. And it was like really, really great experience, kind of just like getting in the 
in the uh, hustle and bustle of it, I would say, and just turning over content really rapidly. Um, and I had no experience then. So she really took a chance on me. But it was a lot of creative freedom and a lot of trial and error. And it really gave me a, a good foundation for the next steps. Exactly. And what a young age to have such an exciting role. So what sort of shoots did you go on? Were they film shoots or modeling shoots? There's a lot of modeling shoots. Um, I used to do shoots with, at Birchbox with her, uh, Maxim Magazine, and, you know, a, a whole range, higher scale, lower scale. Um, and it was just so exciting to be there observing. And that was like the original experience for me um, in terms of reporting and and getting a sense of the energy and trying to communicate that in a story. Yeah, So definitely. like I said, yeah. So where do you start when you're coming to, uh, when you start writing any article? How do you break it down? Where do you start? So to me, it's always um, about the story. So I work with a range of topics, um, mostly focused on hair and beauty. And either it's about a specific product and how to make the most of it, or it's an interview with a celebrity hairstylist and their best tips and tricks. So I kind of try to focus on on the story itself and then kind of expand from there. Um, and often, you know, in an age of SEO, it's about what people are searching for. So trying to kind of organically incorporate you know the keywords and, words, yeah keywords yeah. it's not just about reading a great article it's making sure you've got those keywords in that are going to exactly. climb it to the top of the ladder isn't it so Miriam when you were working at Women in Home and the Huffington Huffington Post can you remember the very first article that you wrote for those um so for the Huffington Post my my big feature with them was not beauty related it was uh, the top 10 places to propose in New York City Oh, really? And, How exciting. Yeah. <laughs> I was working for, I believe it's now called How They Asked, and it's owned by The Knot, and it's all about proposal stories. I had an internship there, and I published this article of, of the best places to propose. And um, what were they? <laughs> top of the Empire State Building? Is that still yes, top of the list? <laughs> oh, definitely. The New York Public Library, Central Park. Um, everyone always said it would be, you know, an eventual big task for my future husband when I've written this article. Oh. To, to find something exciting. Was the library where uh, Carrie Bradshaw was going to get married in the film Sex and the City? Is it that, that, that library? Yeah, yep, Yeah. exactly. Where she yeah. was stood up by big, can't believe he did that to her. But yeah, that was a library. It's gorgeous. <laughs> it's a really it's stunning building, beautiful. isn't it? So what are the so other places was... which were on the list? Can you remember? <sighs> this was so long ago, back in my interning <laughs> days. <laughs> okay, so like where, would, where would you like to be proposed to in New York? Uh, well, my husband proposed um, in in a beautiful park out on Long Island. So I think the outdoors are a great place in New York. It's so yeah. beautiful anywhere you go. It, it has such such character and such charm that you really can't go wrong. Um, mm. But as a, I'm a big reader, so the library would have been a good big hit also. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So what about women in home? Because I mean, that really is such a great subject, isn't it? Products for women <sighs> and home. Fantastic. Yes. What sort of yes. things did you write for them? So I do a lot of product roundup articles for them, like the best um, SPF, the best facial rollers, everything everyone's searching for in this era of self-care. Um, so that's a lot of research, a lot of talking to experts and testing and products. Lots of tra- I was going to say, yeah, and testing yeah, products. Yes. Gorgeous. Yes. Oh, what I think a fantastic I have, like, role. And I bet you get to keep all these fantastic products as well. Yes, yeah. All the sunscreens came pouring in when I was doing an SPF article. So I am set 
the sunscreen for the next 10 years, probably. And talk about New York living. There is not space in these apartments for all of this beauty stuff. So it's definitely a challenge organizing, but I, I can't complain. So you're the deputy editor of All Things Hair. That's a brilliant role at such a young age. So congratulations to you. So tell us about this publication. Tell us about All Things Hair. So All Things Hair is a publication, an online magazine created by Unilever. And the goal, um, and I've been with the company since the beginning, about five and a half years ago. The goal was to create a hair destination for, for everything. Tips and tricks, tutorials, hair product recommendations, um, interviews with stylists, features on celebrities. And we've really built this, um, this empire of a library of over 4,000 articles. Um, I have about like 750 myself, I think. So it's, it's slowly climbing um, wow. and it's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, and it's really, we have everything from, you know, which highlights best suit your, your skin tone to what the best dry shampoo is to, you know, stylist interviews like um, Justine Marjan. So we really, we really have a, a wide range of articles and something for everyone. So you must have learned so much about hair and hair products. Prior to you starting with this publication, were you interested in that kind of product? Was it a real passion for you? I've always loved beauty. Um, I remember I used to, you know, earn my babysitting money and then drive to Walgreens and just walk up and down the makeup aisles for hours uh, trying to decide what I wanted next. So it's always been a passion of mine. And I actually, one of my first internships was with a makeup artist in the city. And I reached out because I knew I wanted to write, but I didn't know exactly in what capacity. And I thought, meanwhile, maybe I'll learn a little bit about makeup. And she ended up needing somebody to start a blog for her. So it was kind of this like unexpected combination of beauty and writing. And it was really the start of this career path that combined two of, you know, two big passions of mine. Yeah. Now let's talk about dry shampoo because I'm a dry shampoo addict as well. And I know you've mentioned it more than once already. So which are the best dry shampoos? What would you recommend? What should we be looking for? Because some I find make my hair more greasy and some are just magnificent. What, what would you recommend? Any of the Dove dry shampoos are amazing. It's an unexpected choice because I think everyone thinks bar soap still when they hear about Dove but they have a great line of dry shampoos um, and they are all white cast, but they blend in really well. So anyone with darker hair or darker roots doesn't need to worry about that. Um, and I think that something people don't know is dry shampoo is a lot about the application. So you'll see if you ever see a diagram, <laughs> if you've come across a diagram of how to apply I'll dry shampoo, dry shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's only my life that's filled with diagrams of hair, hair product application. Um, but you'll see that they tell you to hold your arm at a complete right angle and keep the can about 10 inches away from your head. And it's that um, distance that will really apply the product evenly and give you the best oil absorption and, and volume and fullness. So you apply, you know, do your makeup, let it sit for a little bit, and then you can go in with your fingers and kind of... Um, zhuzh it up. I think that's the technical term, zhuzh. Right <laughs> and, and that will give you the volume and it will have given the product time to kind of sit and absorb all that oil you're trying to get rid of. Yeah. You see, I prefer the, the basic white rather than the colored dry shampoo because it does leave a film on your fingers, on your clothes. You couldn't wear a white shirt and wear, a, you know, a, 
you know, travel with a, a darker shampoo, um, dry shampoo, because I found I end up wearing it everywhere. If I touch my face, once I touch my hair, it's all over me. <laughs> it's not good. So what new products are you testing at the moment? Right now, I was just introduced to the whole new range of, of Unilever hair products coming out in 2022. So I'm still waiting to get my hands on the products, but it's a lot of styling. I think that um, people are really, you know, starting to DIY their hair care after this or during this yeah. COVID era yeah. where, you know, they don't want to go to the salon. They haven't been able to. So they were kind of forced to reroute. So a lot of hairsprays, a lot of shine products, a lot of um, leave-in conditioning products. I think people are really just, you know, taking the reins with their hair care. And those categories have been really big. So I bet your cupboards are full to busting, aren't they, <laughs> yeah. of these fabulous yes. products. How lovely. <laughs> Let me introduce our sponsor, Everything Genetic Limited, specialists in preventative healthcare testing, helping people to identify to see if they are at risk of developing common hereditary cancers and heart conditions. Based in Nantwich, Cheshire, they partner with some of the UK's market-leading laboratories, supplying revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients for the detection, diagnosis and treatment planning of cancer, heart disease and other illnesses. One of their main aims is to democratise genetic testing, meaning everyone can take control of their own well-being and healthcare to detect any problems at an early stage when they are most treatable. They also offer a COVID testing service, which is on the government list, initially launched to support clinical partners who were unable to get patients in during the pandemic. This service enables patients to come back into clinics to resume all important cancer testing and is available through over 200 partner companies. They offer a comprehensive range of coronavirus COVID-19 test kits and services for individuals, healthcare providers and employers. For more information, visit their website, everythinggeneticlimited.co.uk. So I was reading briefly your article, Best Styles for Men with Thick Hair. So my son was here from uni this week and he's got a great mop of hair. He's got a great thick hair and he's grown it. It's quite long. So how? what would you recommend? What's your favourite styles? I love men's styling products. That's actually um, a big a big search term for us. Men's men's articles do really well because I think guys are, you know, turning to Google to be like, how do I handle this? What do I buy? How do I style my hair? So really any any matte paste, I think is a great option. Axe makes a great matte paste and it works for hair of every length. It helps give your hair some hold without making it look too done and too greasy and gelled, which I think can be a, a little rough when it ends up crunchy and shiny like that. So yeah, hair of any length, if you just take a little bit, even just a dime-sized amount of product and run it through your hair, it will just kind of give it some some structure that I think can be missing from, from guys' hair when they just completely ignore the product and, and go their own way. So what's the most challenging project you've worked on in this role, do you think? Because I know it's, it's, it's probably easy for you because you love the products, but has there been anything that you thought, oh, I've really got to think about this? Where am I going to go with this? I think often the New York Fashion Week hairstyles can be a little bit challenging because once in a while you get something really wearable, like a ponytail or a braided style, but sometimes it's just like crazy with, you know, spikes and colors and feathers. And, and our goal is really to make every hairstyle accessible to 
you know, the everyday girl or guy. And sometimes it can be challenging to take those like, you know, super avant-garde styles and make it accessible. So do you have to kind of reinvent those hairstyles for your magazines with your products? Yeah. So, you know, we go, we go to fashion week working with Tresemme. So it's all Tresemme products that we're already working with. Um, and they give us, you know, a step-by-step, we'll talk to the, to the head hairstylist and learn about the style and how to best recreate it. But we like to also kind of include a, a twist on it, maybe, or, or talk to the stylist about what alterations that um, someone could make to make it, you know, office ready or just every day more wearable, you know. How exciting. So do you think in, a, in another life you may wish to be a hairdresser or um, a, a makeup artist? Definitely. Someone was just asking me that actually over the weekend. What, what business would you start if you were starting your own business? And I thought, I think I would do hair. You know, I, I like the interaction with it. I think it's such a, a source of connection with others. You talk about like the barbershop or the salon, everyone's just talking and sharing. And I think that's one of the coolest aspects about beauty in general is that it's such a conversation starter and such a common ground across different, you know, cultures and different people and and all that so yeah definitely I could see myself doing that doing hair or makeup. So for anybody who wants to move into this sort of industry you know editing writing journalism what advice would you give to to writers trying to to pitch their stories to either your publication or to another? I would say that it is um, really just a numbers game that you you have to just kind of keep going keep persevering and no matter how many unread emails you sent or knows you get, keep pushing. The truth is editors are always looking for, for new stories and new and exciting ideas. So I think thinking about what makes your pitch different, what makes you the best writer to write this story and thinking about what, what the audience of the publication wants to read are all really important details to consider. And that will make the editor be so excited to, to choose your pitch because it's already such a great fit for the publication. So Miriam, you're also a freelance writer on top of your already busy job as a deputy editor. So how did you break into the freelance world and how easy is it? So I think it's really all about, I don't know if this is a helpful answer, but being at the right place at the right time, which I'm a big believer of in general. Um, A lot of my freelance opportunities have come from previous colleagues, previous editors who moved on to a new role and kind of took me with them and kept me in mind for freelance opportunities. And I think it's, it's probably true for any industry, but I can, you know, speak to writing that it's all about kind of creating a, a connection and hoping something develops from there. Women in Home was one example of my previous editor-in-chief became the beauty editor there and had me in mind. Um, but I've also done some writing for Birdie, and that came about from this um networking event that I went to that was focused on goal setting. So it was this amazing group of women who kind of came together to learn about how to set your goals, how to achieve what you want. And the women running the organization that created the event knew my interest in beauty writing and connected me to one of the birdie editors. And a bunch of features came about from that. So I think it's just about owning it and putting yourself in as many situations for opportunity as possible. And I think another thing is to kind of just say like, you know, I'm a beauty writer. That's what I'm doing. I freelance. <laughs> and even if you've only had one feature so far, that's still true. Yeah. And I think that that confidence and that the power of like seeing statements like that can really help you know it and give you more confidence in 
either applying for these positions or talking to someone who could maybe get you in, in there. I think I'm also a big believer in the power of manifestation. So the more you say this, the more I think that, yeah. um, you know, you really have the possibility of, of expanding on that. Yeah, for sure. So if you are a writer, can you send the same article to many different publications? Does it matter as long as somebody takes you on with that article? So generally what you'll do is you'll write a pitch and it's not like a complete article yet. So you'll have a pitch with the title and the details and who you might interview or what research you have. And then once somebody accepts it, you'll you'll write the, the bigger article and you'll yeah. edit it from there. So you can definitely pitch to a number of places. Um, but then once it's obviously in the in the works to being published, you'll kind of stay where you are. And once you're in that kind of world, how quickly are you expected to turn an article around? It really depends, I would say, on the publication. Everything is pretty fast paced. And I think because trends come and go so quickly, you don't want to miss your opportunity. It's pretty fast, the process, I would say, like at most a week. So a week for one article. That's not too bad, is it? No, or do you have to do terrible. several articles in that week? I think it also, you know, depends on, on what's on your plate. You know, for my yeah. full-time job for all things hair, I'm editing, you know, two, three articles a day and working on a trends piece and researching for that, you know. But then for freelancing, it can ebb and flow in terms of how busy it is. Because I remember years ago, um, I'm, I'm an author, I wrote a book a couple of years ago, but years and years ago, I wrote an article for a, a website and it took me forever. So it probably worked out. I earned about three, three pence because it just took me so long to do. So I clearly wasn't quick enough. So to be a real great writer like yourself, you've really got to be quick at your game, haven't you? Yes. And I think it's all about um, practice because... I don't know if that's like an inherent skill that anybody has. I think it's just hours and hours and hours of doing the work. In your career, have you ever had to manage like a PR crisis, something's gone completely wrong or someone, a spelling error or something that's really been drastic? Have you ever had to deal with anything like that? So part of what comes with working for a big company like Unilever is a lot of red tape. So here in the U.S., we actually can't write about any celebrities, can't mention any celebrities unless they're attached to Unilever in some way. So it, it can definitely be challenging talking about hair when, you know, a big pool. You of can't compare it to a celebrity. Eye. Yeah, exactly. So there have been moments like that where something, you know, slips through from a freelancer who didn't know all the rules or something like that. And we're also very careful with our, our language that it's inclusive and and correct. So that's also been something I think as, you know, over the last few years, I think everyone's become more aware and more careful with, with their language. And it's a big responsibility, especially when talking about hair and hair textures and different hair types, um, to ha always have inclusive language. So, you know, thank God, no big crises. But, no big but crises at the yet. Oh. But it's something we're always thinking about and, and you know, paying attention to. Because I do think it's a lot of a responsibility, you know, yeah. to, to be publishing at this rate. Yeah, definitely. So Miriam, have you done a master's or are you training to do a master's at the moment? Yes, I'm, you know, about three quarters of the way through, I think right now, my master's in creative writing, nonfiction. Um, I'm at the, the University of Denver in a virtual program. Wow, brilliant. So of course, you do all that from home. Yes, I mean, I figured that, you know, we're in a COVID world right now, and I'm going to be spending a lot of time at home, especially now. Um, our office is closed, so I'm fully remote. And I decided like, you know, now's a good time to kind of add this on. And and I've always wanted to do my master's. Um, I say always, I'm only 27, but, <laughs> but I, thought, I thought about You're this a baby. for a while. <laughs> I know. 
Um, and I always thought, you know, I would do it later. I would focus on my career for now and kind of come back to this because this is more of um, like a memoir style, writing personal essay style and not so much um, part of my, you know, beauty day job work. So yeah. this was like something I thought I would revisit, but um, it felt like now is a good time and I'm, I've been really enjoying it. So I'm glad I took the leap. Brilliant. Oh, it's been so lovely talking to you, Miriam, today. It's a great topic, isn't it? Hair, beauty, all these products that you get to try out. It's just, a, it's just fantastic. So can you give us any tips to any writers that are wanting to, who are listening to this thinking, gosh, I want to do what she's doing. Uh, I know you said about it's a numbers game, but is there any other quick tips you can give to our fellow writers? Um, I would say that something I've come to believe is that writer's walk is a total myth that this is all about discipline. Like I think a lot of things are. And if you put the hours in and you override that imposter syndrome, I think that's that will be really powerful in helping you advance and helping you become the writer that you want to be. So yeah, putting the time in and and really honing your skill and and kind of committing to it, I think will will really get you far. It's so true, you know, because I've got different synopsis in my head. I've started the sequel to one of my books. I've already got like a suspense thriller in my head, which I'm thinking of doing under a pen name. And I woke up in the night a few weeks ago and did a, a mind map and wrote everything. But I haven't put pen to paper yet. And I keep thinking, I haven't got time, I haven't got time, which I haven't. But like you say, you've really got to, there's no such thing as writer's cramp. I'm not saying I have that. I, just, I haven't even got started to get writer's cramp. I know. It's finding the time and it's so frustrating. I always say that. It's like, you know, it's when I have a big assignment due that the laundry gets done and the dishes are done and I can find a million ways to distract myself. I know. But it, I think something that's been comforting that I really learned um, through my master's program is that it's really more about editing than writing, which yeah. I don't think it's very like exciting to say that because everyone wants to just be inspired and write something amazing. But I, I think it's more, the craft is more in the editing. So if you can just suspend the, the anxiety and the pressure long enough to just get something on the paper, you can go back and edit. And I think it's less daunting because the project has already started and you're not staring at a blank page and you can refine what you've already done. But I think yeah, the so pressure just to you- just like put it on the t- on the paper and have it be incredible is just too high for anyone yeah you know? so just get your words down doesn't matter what order they are just get them down get that story out and then go back over it exactly oh Miriam it's been so lovely talking to you today um today and um it's such a fascinating subject I think it's a great role that you do and live in an exciting New York City so for our listeners if they have any questions or you know, maybe they're interested in, in, you know, in all things hair. How can, how can they get in touch with you? So you can find me on Instagram at miriam.hurst.stein. And my email address is the same, miriam.hurst.stein at gmail.com. And I would love to chat with anyone if they have any questions or need any guidance. Um, and you can also check out my work at allthingshair.com for any hair tips and tricks and tutorials. Oh, yeah, thank you so much for having me yeah this has I'll, been so lovely thank you I wish you all the best with all things hair and your freelance work and your masters and I hope the building doesn't continue for too long <laughs> thank you so much thank you thank you you've been listening to my podcast appetite for life also supported by sponsor Dane Bank House Dental Practice where happiness starts with a smile Would you like to be a guest on this show? Or maybe you're interested in a sponsorship package. For any further information, you can find me across various social media platforms as Karen Kelly Podcasts 
or send me an email, Karen Kelly at btinternet.com.